Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now keep in mind, this verse is the first verse of a new chapter. But the chapter divisions are not inspired. Sometimes we just have to think about the previous chapter. And this verse belongs to the previous chapter. You see that there with the word wherefore or therefore. So Paul is really continuing on in the same theme. Talking about these people of faith, these pilgrims. Now in this verse you will notice that there are two groups of people being talked about. There is first of all the cloud of witnesses, the Old Testament believers, those in chapter 11. But there is this other group. We are compassed, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. So there's the New Testament believers, that's what Paul means here by we. He's including himself. The believers that he's preaching to, we're not sure who he's preaching to, which congregation it is, but he could say the same to any congregation. And even today, it's still appropriate, it's still the same, it still holds true. No matter what congregation, no matter what time that they're found, we New Testament believers are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. It's still true. We as a Christian congregation then tonight are included. It's still the same story. On the one hand, there's us, the New Testament congregation, and on the other hand, this great cloud of witnesses that surround us, our Old Testament believers. So there are two groups then. They're not two totally separate groups, though distinct. They're a group of believers before Christ. There are the group of believers after Christ. The first group belongs to the Old Covenant. The second group belongs to the New Covenant. They're distinct, but they're not totally separate. You can't say uh, the Old Testament ones are here on the left, and in another part, there's another group here of believers who are totally different on the right. That's not the way it is. They're massed together. They're one. The New Testament believers are there, but they are surrounded, encompassed by the Old Testament believers. There's a distinction, but they're not two groups completely. There's a unity. There is a oneness. It's just like whenever you go into the cloud, what happens when you go into the cloud? You're in the cloud. You're part of the cloud. And these New Testament believers are part of the cloud. They're, they're encompassed. The cloud has come down upon them and surrounded them. And, and they're in that cloud too. It's the believers. We all have the same faith. We all belong to the same Christ. But there is a distinction, of course, because the Old Testament believers, they, they were before Christ. They didn't obtain the promise. They didn't see Christ. Uh, they didn't see the things that we see. We've obtained the promises but together we've all obtained them now. But there's this distinction. They didn't see until we saw. They had to wait for us. And now they're all aware of the incarnation now too. And of the ascended Christ in glory where they all are found. So there, there's a unity with us. Though a distinction. So the Old Testament witnesses encompass the New Testament believers. 
And the Old Testament believers are like a cloud, as I say. We've entered into that as well. Verse 39 and 40, these all have obtained a good report through faith. That's the Old Testament witnesses. Receive not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Now, I used to think that that was at the end of the age. We'll all be made perfect together. But I think I've come to another understanding that it was at the incarnation and the death and the ascension of Jesus Christ that this being made perfect was brought about in faith. We have a completeness now of faith now because the incarnation has taken place, the death of Christ, the resurrection, the ascension of Christ has taken place. But those in heaven, the Old Testament believers, they now are all aware of that as well because that's where the ascended Christ is. So they're made perfect as well in this faith and viewing Christ and seeing Christ. They see Christ now in the flesh. They see the scars now that he bears at the right hand of the Father. They, they see that as we see it. So there's this oneness between us. These Old Testament saints are called worthies. You have that there in verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy. So they're the worthies, and the world wasn't worthy of them, and they're in heaven now enjoying the Lord. And you'll notice all of them Verse 39, these all having obtained a good report. They're Old Testament believers, those named in chapter 11, but so many more not named, as we said on another occasion. There are multitudes as the dust, as the sand of the sea. There are others, multitudes of believers that are not named. And all of them have obtained good reports. But they're called in verse 1 of chapter 12, this great cloud of witnesses. So that's what we're thinking about, especially the witnesses part of it. But they're a great cloud. That they're a great cloud uh, suggests, first of all, that they're many, a throng, a multitude. And the word is sometimes used to give that sense of a great number. So they're many. It also may suggest, this is the reason why Paul took the word, a cloud of witnesses, it also suggests that they have life. That they have moisture. That they have uh, water. And water is a symbol of life. This is, this is a living cloud. We're surrounded by a living cloud. We're not su- su- surrounded by relics. Or anything like that. No, this is a living throng. Just as a cloud is a, is a living thing. Bringing moisture and life to the ground and to the earth. Uh, this is a crowd of living beings. We're not surrounded by a cemetery full of dead people. We're not surrounded by relics, bones. We're not surrounded just lit- by literature and by words and by text as such. We're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. They're very much alive. They're living in the presence of God. They're in glory. A living body. God's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. And this is a cloud of witnesses that still subsist and exist, having life and enjoying the fullness of God. And they're waiting for us to join them in heaven. They finish their pilgrimage. And they're here, as it were, described thus in the text. And then a cloud is a high and lofty thing. They're not from the underworld. They're from above. They're heavenly living witnesses. 
They're in the heights. They're in the glory. They're enjoying the Lord. They are, as it were, living with the Lord in the heavens. As, as the clouds are in the heavens. Uh, and then also a cloud is the symbol of God's presence. You see that very often. We see that in Exodus. The Lord led them out. Takes a symbol of a cloud. They follow the cloud. That's a symbol of his presence. He's leading them. He's with them. And also throughout the Psalms you see this idea of the cloud as of being the presence of God. And we saw it in the book of the Revelation as well, didn't we? So it's a symbol of God's presence. And these are witnesses that have had God's presence and still have God's presence. They're enjoying the presence of God. They're with the Lord. And they're one in God's presence. And that's another thing about a cloud. It's one, it's united, it's harmonious. It's not, you know, a cloud here and a cloud there and a cloud over there and another thing. No, the church, this church is united. This church is one body. This church is unbroken. A whole. Enjoying the presence of God. A cloud of witnesses. And then also they have brought so much benefit to the world because that's what a cloud does, doesn't it? A cloud brings rain and moisture to the dry earth so that life may come and things may grow. And these witnesses, they did that. They, they were the salt of the earth whenever they were in the world. They were like the, the moisture drops that brought blessing to the nations. You know, the world doesn't realize all the blessing that has been brought to it by the people of God. Because we have life. We have moisture. We have the Holy Spirit. We might not be aware of much blessing that we bring. But we can be assured that because we have the Spirit and the Lord, somehow or other we're bringing blessing to others, blessing to the earth. As the Lord Jesus Christ says, you're the light of the world, you're bringing blessing to them. You're the salt of the earth, you're bringing blessing to them. You're restraining the corruption. You're preserving it more and more from the wickedness. You're doing some good as believers. Like a cloud, we're doing some good. And it's good to know that you're doing some good to the world. Maybe by your prayers. Or by your kind word to someone. Or by just helping someone because you're a Christian and that's what you do as a Christian. And you're bringing moisture. You're part of the cloud bringing some benefit to mankind and to this world which is unworthy of the saints. This also gives the idea of concealment. Because... What does a cloud do? It hides and conceals. Their glory that they're enjoying is, is concealed. It's hidden. We don't know what's happening in the Old Testament witnesses now. We don't know what they're enjoying in the presence of God. They're a cloud of witnesses. We can't see. It's just hazy and fuzzy. We know that we are encompassed some way by them in the communion of the saints, in the eternal things of God, but we, we can't really see. It's hidden. And even on earth, people can't see what's really going on in us because our Christian life is hid. We're hidden Christ. We're the sons of God, and yet people don't see that. People don't see that we're the children of the Lord. People don't see that we are having the Spirit of God because it's hidden from them. It's, it's concealed. It's like it's in a cloud, and, and they can't just see it. They're not aware of it. And so this is perhaps another reason why Paul uses this word cloud. And of course they'll return with the Lord because at the end of time in the last day this cloud's going to be part of the return. 
Doesn't the Bible say he's going to return with clouds? He's going to sit on a cloud and he's going to return with a cloud. What does that mean? It's those fluffy things up there? No, no, it doesn't mean that. It means he's coming with the saints. It means he's coming with these living witnesses that encompass us and that is growing as believers die one by one. And so they're, they're going to come again with the Lord and whenever those are living on, our, on the earth and what are they caught up? They're caught up to meet the Lord in the cloud, in the cloud in the air, to be with the Lord forever, the whole cloud, the whole body. All the believers, the Old Testament and the New Testament, all together, the cloud. So there are instructions, I, I think, in this symbol. There's particularly in one respect in which the cloud is used. And it's this word witnesses, a cloud of witnesses. And a cloud guides, cloud gives direction. Whenever the wind blows, wind's a symbol of the Spirit, blowing the cloud, blowing the church. Uh, we know the direction to go. The cloud's going in the right direction because the Spirit's blowing the cloud, leading the cloud. And the cloud in the Old Testament, as they led, God led them out of Egypt, the cloud gave them direction. The cloud showed them the way. The cloud told them to go this way or that way. It, it was a, a witness to them in the direction that they should go. They guided the people of God in the Old Testament, the cloud and the pillar of fire at night. And that's the sense in which Paul uses it here. There are a cloud of witnesses who guide us, who give us the direction to go. Let us run with patience. We want to be pilgrims too. We want to run like they run. We want to have the faith that they had. We want to go in the direction that they went. And they surround us and encompass us as witnesses, a cloud of witnesses, so that they witness to the way to go. They witness to the, the direction that faith goes. They're witnesses. And that's the way in which they surround us, as a cloud of witness. Now this, of course, refers to their witness on the earth. I don't think that they're a witness to us now. There is a communion of the saints, we know, and the Spirit of God is in them and in us. And it's a mysterious thing, all the communion of the saints. But we're not saying that the saints will literally come to us and they give us direction and we should talk to the saints and pray to the saints. No, I don't think that's what's taught here. But in their witness on earth, which is why Paul has gone through Hebrews 11, that witness gives us direction. Let us run with patience. Let us run with the endurance that they ran with. They're surrounding us. It's as if they're watching us. They've finished the course. They've crossed the finish line. They're waiting for us to arrive as well. And they are giving us the direction. By their witness. By their testimony. By their life on earth. Which Paul has been describing here. In this chapter 11. So they ought to have a profound influence upon us. The Old Testament believers. And how can we fail to run when they encompass us? How can we fail to do righteous deeds and to suffer the way they suffered and to do the things that they did in faith? How can we fail to do any of that? And they hadn't even seen Christ. They hadn't even obtained the promise. It was just a distant, far-off thing for them. And yet they run, they were faithful, they endured, they continued. 
Now how can we be otherwise? Who do see Christ, who have obtained the promise, and the incarnation has taken place, and the death of Christ, and the resurrection, and the ascension. We have all of that. They didn't have that. They just looked at that as a distant thing, and yet they were faithful. But we have that now. And they're surrounding us. So how can we be unfaithful? We have so much more. As well as their witness of faithfulness. So this is what Paul is meaning here. Whenever he says these things. So the important word is. The word in the plural. Witnesses. Witnesses. There are two senses in which they were witnesses. The first and mainly. They were witnesses for something. Or to something. And then secondly, they were witnessed to by the Lord. So not only did they give witness, these witnesses, these witnesses obtained witness, as we'll see as we go through this. The plural here is telling us that they are all witnesses. He's referring to Hebrews 11. What does that mean? Well, it means that those witnesses were witnesses to what they hoped for. We saw this. They hoped for the resurrection of the dead. They hoped for that city that had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. They hoped to see Christ face to face. They hoped for the new heavens and the new earth. This world wasn't important for them because they were hoping for distant things. That's why they were pilgrims through this world. They knew this world was for the fire, for the ruin, for the destruction. And they were waiting for the consummation of the new. So they were witnesses to faith. These Old Testament saints, that's what they were. And we are encompassed by these Old Testament witnesses. And we ourselves are New Testament witnesses. So we're the same thing in actual fact, aren't we? I don't want you to think that they're witnesses and we are not witnesses. We are witnesses too. The Lord uses this word of us in the Bible. Remember Jesus says, Antipas, my faithful witness. He died, but he was a faithful witness. You remember how in the book of the Revelation we saw that he says, I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs. And that's the same word, witnesses. The blood of the witnesses of Jesus. So we're witnesses too. But these Old Testament witnesses in particular, they're witnessing before they ever seen Christ. They're witnesses to their faith, to their hope in Christ, to the eternal life, to the resurrection of the dead. And how, how did they witness to that? Well, they witnessed to that, uh, Paul tells us in chapter 11. Uh, they, they talked about it, of course. That's one of the ways we're witnesses. You have to talk about the Lord. You talk about the resurrection of the dead. You talk about the hope eternal. You talk about the forgiveness of sins that you have through Jesus Christ. You're a witness. But Paul doesn't emphasize the talking bit. He doesn't put much on that. He puts on what they did, their actions, their lives. We are to speak. The psalmist said, I will speak of thy testimonies before kings and not be ashamed. And we are to speak of the things of the Lord. It's not the main thing. The main thing is to let your light shine. The main thing is your life. The main thing is your walk. And how you suffer and the things you suffer for the Lord. That's the main thing. And that's what Paul emphasizes here in, in this chapter. Their lives. They witness by their works and by their deeds. They witness by their righteous living. They work righteousness, Paul says. Abel 
He witnessed by his offering, by his worship. Uh, Enoch, he witnessed by his walk with God and how he was heavenly minded. Noah, he witnessed by building the ark and going into the ark. It was all works by which they witnessed. We saw Jacob, he, he leaned on his staff as he was dying. His last act to worship God, leaning on his staff. He's a pilgrim to the end. He's witnessing. Not because he's saying, I believe in the resurrection and I believe in the city that have foundations. No, he just worshipped God, leaning on his staff. He just was a witness for God at the end. And that's how we do it. And Moses, he left Pharaoh's house. The people of God, they sprinkled the blood. They, they, they were witnesses. We, we believe the word of God. We do what the word of God says. And Rahab, she was a witness when she spoke to the spies and hid the spies. And she was a witness for God. I believe the Lord. I believe what the God of Israel has done for his people. And so they were witnesses. And then they witnessed by their sufferings too, didn't they? And Paul goes through that in great detail. They didn't accept deliverance. They were tormented. They were afflicted. They wandered about in the sheepskins. They had to give up their homes. They were dispersed. They were displaced. As many Christians are today in the Middle East and in other places. Displaced for the faith as Islam spreads and becomes more violent. And so they do it because of their faith. They're showing their faith. They're witnesses to their faith. They're witnesses to me. To me, Jesus is real. They're witnesses to me. The resurrection of the dead is, is more important than death. I'll die. I'm not afraid to die. Because I believe in the resurrection of the dead. By their not being afraid to die, they were witnesses to the resurrection of the dead. So it's by our life, how we live, how we die. That we are mainly the witnesses for the Lord. And not by how much we can talk and what we can say. It's our life is to tell for God. And these Old Testament witnesses that encompass us. Their lives told for God. And sometimes they were martyred. Put to the sword. Some were stoned. We think that's how Jeremiah died. Some were even sawed asunder. We think that's how Isaiah the prophet died. He was sawn in two. So there were witnesses. But they're not only witnesses, they were also witnessed to by God. God witnessed to them. And you see this in chapter 11 particularly. Draw your attention to, to the verse 2 of chapter 11. For by it the elders obtained a good report. That's the verb, witness. They obtained a good witness. Now the witnesses in chapter 12 is a noun. It's the only time it occurs in that chapter in chapter 11. But the verb form... Witness to, it occurs four times. And it's always the, the witnesses that are witnessed to. And you have it here in verse 4. Uh, Abel, he offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by the which he obtained witness. And then chapter 11, verse 5. Before his translation, he had this testimony, this witness, that he pleased God. And then at the end, verse 39. These all having obtained a good witness, a good report through faith, received not the promise. So you see at the start it says, obtained good, good witness. See how at the end it says, obtained a good report through faith. God encloses them and he's saying, I'm witnessing to them. All these ones I'm witnessing to. They're my witnesses. They're witness for me. I'm witnessing to them. I'm witnessing for them, about them, on their behalf. So we're surrounded by all these witnesses who are witnesses for God. But they're also being witnessed to 
by God to themselves. And that's very important. This is a witness to by God. That's how the chapters enclose. And how were they witnessed to? And it's God that witnessed to them and about them. These are my witnesses, the Lord said. How were they witnessed to? Well, Abel, God accepted his offering. He, he maybe come down in fire and consumed it all up. And he showed that he accepted Abel. And then he went to Cain. He had to talk to Cain. And so when he talked to Cain about Abel, he was also witnessing for Abel. Abel's my servant. He done right. Cain, you should do right as well. If you done right as well, I'd witness to you too. But I can only witness to Abel because he's the only one that done right. He was obedient. So God witnessed to them. And God witnessed to Enoch because he took him. Let the whole world know. I took him. I'm witnessing to him. He's worthy to come and live with me in eternity. So I took him. So God witnessed to Enoch. And God witnessed to Noah. Because he saved them during the flood and everybody else was drowned. And he witnessed to Moses and the people of God in Israel. Because he sent all the plagues. To say, this is my people, I'm going to redeem them, I'm going to bring them out. God gave them witness. He was witnesses for them. And whenever he raised them from the dead, as some were raised from the dead, he's witnessing to them and to their faith. And also they got a place in the Bible. I want them in the Bible. I'm putting them in my word. I'm going to let the New Testament saints read about them. The Old Testament is God's witness. To all these people of faith. It's not that Paul, you know, made up these names and these stories and has found them in tradition and has written up them in, in chapter 11. No, he says, God has written them up in the Bible. God's witness to their works and their deeds and their sufferings. God put Abel in here. God put Noah in here. God put Moses in here. And Samson and Jephthah and all the rest. It's God's report of them and of their lives. So God has borne witness to them. And in heaven, God witnesses it to them as well because he receives them in heaven. And he, they're made perfect in heaven now. And they're seeing what we see. Christ ascended to see him in glory now. So he witnesses to them in that way. He says, well done. As they come into heaven one by one, well done, good and faithful servant. The kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So God's bearing testimony to them in glory. So, so these have a good report, these witnesses. So we should listen to them. We should follow their example. That I give them a good report. You follow them. You follow them. You study their lives. You take them as your example and go on their paths. Follow the guidance that they give as a cloud, the direction. They had the Spirit leading them in their life. So you can't go wrong. So follow them. If we think about witnessing, the Lord Jesus says, Whosoever confesses me before men, him will I confess before my Father. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. So that's what the Lord is doing in heaven. He's, he's bearing witness to them. He's giving testimony to them. He's saying, well done, well done. Come, come ye blessed of my Father. Inherit all things. And so they get a good report. So that's what surrounds us, brethren and sisters. All of these witnesses, so that you may run, as they did. 
so that you may lay aside the weights that they had to lay aside. So that you may look on to Jesus as they had to do. A Jesus that they had never seen. A Jesus that had not yet been incarnate. A Jesus that had not yet been crucified. They were looking on to Jesus. The chief pilgrim who they knew would come. And we also are are to be like them. We, We do the same thing as they did. We walk in the paths of righteousness. We suffer for the faith. We do works of righteousness. We do deeds and works of faith. And we we also look on to Jesus. Who's coming back again. The author and finisher of faith. We look on to him as well. And one day he'll come back again. And all the cloud. Will be one. One massive big cloud. Of Old Testament saints. And New Testament saints. And the Lord will receive them unto himself. And at the consummation. He'll bring them into the new creation. The new heavens. And the new earth. To be forever with the Lord. All of them were pilgrims. All of them tell the same story. I just saw it far off. I just saw it by faith. It wasn't substantial and real to me. Except by faith. But I believed. And I continued on. Until the end. And child of God. You have to do that. You don't see Jesus. You don't see these things as you see these things here. This timber. But this timber is for the burning. It's for the fire. The things that are not seen are the eternal things. So you keep on seeing the eternal things. You keep on looking to Christ. You keep on believing in the resurrection of the dead. Like the Apostles' Creed. Say the Apostles' Creed every day. Or some similar creed. I believe. I believe in God the Father, the Creator Almighty. I believe in His Son, Jesus Christ, born of a virgin who died for our sins. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I believe in the resurrection of the dead. I believe in the coming again of our Lord Jesus Christ in glory. I believe in the new heavens and in the new earth. Keep on believing and endure. This is what this is about, you see. They endured. They had patience. They didn't fall away. They continued. These all died in faith. They all died in faith. That's what we have to do, congregation. We don't only have to live in faith, but we have to go to the end. We have to die in faith too. As they did. And finish the course. And cross the line. As Paul said, I've finished the course. I've crossed the line. Now there's laid up a crown. And we all have to finish the course, brethren. It's a battle. We have doubts and fears. We have to battle Satan, the world, and the flesh. But keep battling. Don't give up. Don't forsake the establishment of yourselves together. Don't stop praying, crying unto God, trusting the Lord, looking to the Savior. Don't give up. But keep at it. And keep on believing.